Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And welcome to Headstrong Season 3. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is Louis Strong, and Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down and have an engaging conversation with a variety of people in the public eye. We talk about their lives, their careers, as well as their vulnerabilities with the aim and intention of providing the listener with some inspiration to becoming headstrong, to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities, and to reinforce your self worth. Ultimately, though, we want you to enjoy what you're listening to. In this season, I'm engaging with a variety of creatives who have had a turbulent time in 2020 with everything that's going on. On this episode of Headstrong, and this season called Creatives in Conversation, I sat down online to have a chat with comedian and performer Bob the Drag Queen. Bob rose to stardom by winning the fantastic RuPaul's Drag Race Season 8. Since then, Bob has had the busiest time covering TV shows, podcasts, films and live performances to name but a few. Bob is an incredibly busy person and I wanted to sit down and have a chat about Bob's life but also engage in some conversation about all the topics and things that are going on in 2020. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello Bob and thank you for coming to Headstrong the podcast. I hugely appreciate you... I really appreciate you giving up the time to uh, just chat to me uh, today. Uh, of course. For those of you who don't know who you are, some of my listeners, there may be out there who don't know who you are. You are a professional stand-up comedian and a drag queen. But you're managing all of this during a very bizarre and virtual time. And we find each other chatting today on Zoom and, uh, and online platforms. I'm in the UK at the moment. Where are you at the moment? I'm in uh, New York City. Well, where are you in the UK? People in the UK always kind of just say like, the UK, which is such a, like a, that's like when I'm like, I'm in America. <laughs> There's so much America. 
There is so much America, but it's a little bit different sizing. Yeah, yeah. Where are you in the UK? So I am, I'm about an hour outside of uh, London, near a place called Basingstoke. A big shout out to Basingstoke, if anyone's in there. in Basingstoke? No, I, I actually live, I'm very fortunate to live in the countryside. So I've got sprawling green fields and, and lovely fresh air, um, unlike the city. I, I imagine you're in the city, right? I am in Manhattan, very much so in the city. Are you, are you allowed out and about much? Yeah, well, New York City is actually, uh, today is phase four. New York City is actually doing really good. Um, New York City had its first day without um, a death about like a week ago. So it was, it was literally our very first day with zero corona deaths about a week ago. Oh, so wow. New York's actually doing pretty good. So are you when you pop out and about, are you, are you wearing a face mask at all? Or are you just... Yes, I, I made myself a few masks. I have like three or four masks that I, to go with different outfits. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I imagine with your I imagine with your handicraft skills that was actually wasn't too troublesome. No, it wasn't it wasn't hard. Um, but I did want to have a few options so that I could like like if you're wearing black, you don't want to end up with like you you get it. You you understand. I get it, I get you it. You don't um so, strong, you don't need me to explain that to you. <laughs> <laughs> so with um with you know, with the face mask and whatnot, at least that that's covering up a bit more of your identity and whatnot. But I mean, you've been well, known as like, both the. Yeah, I'm not like uh, super. I think you may think I'm a little more famous than I actually am. <laughs> so, I don't think that's true at all. But I mean, look, you've been you you get recognised in the street um, from time to time. Um, but you have been you are known to people as Bob the Drag Queen. Um, how long did it take to get used to being called Bob the Drag Queen when someone sees you in the street? Do you know what I mean? Well, Bob, I mean, most people call me Bob. Like most people don't, call, yeah. don't say Bob the Drag Queen. Some people do go, are you Bob the Drag Queen? Yeah, but, sure. Um, people call me Bob. Uh, it, it honestly doesn't feel weird. I mean, my first drag name was Kitten with a Whip. I know. And, and that's probably harder to adjust to than people calling you Bob, you know? Fantastic. So let's start with growing up. Um, and your mom owned a drag bar, am I correct? Yeah, for a couple of years, my, um, my mom owned a drag bar in Columbus, Georgia. And, and how old were you when, when that happened? I was probably in um, maybe fourth or fifth grade. I think it was what like... Age, maybe, what, what age is the grades? Um, this is like nine to 12. So quite an uh, like an influential period of your life, you know, in terms of your your environment and, and what it what it shapes, I suppose. Yeah, I was pretty young. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's uh, safe to say that. Actually, maybe I was I was living in. Let me do some math. I was living in Phoenix City, Alabama, which means I was at it was after third grade and before the grade. So yeah, I think it was maybe like fourth, fifth. Third, fourth, and fifth grade, so which is nine, ten, and eleven. Yeah, so I guess those are pretty formative years. Yeah, I mean, and at that at that stage, that that kind of upbringing and education, where were you in terms of schooling? Were you were you like achieving well? What, what, what were your levels at that time? Well, I was in elementary school, and I was doing pretty great. I had great grades when I was in school, like really good grades, actually. Um, yeah, I was doing pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a favorite subject yeah i really like reading when i was younger i always loved reading in uh, language arts 
was that ever a, was there ever a different career option or were you pretty set on uh, on being creative because i know you're a trained performer theater performer yeah well um, i did i mean when I, was younger, I wanted to be an accountant i wanted to be a um candy maker at one point in time um i wanted to be a teacher your first experience of doing drag was at a protest, I believe. Um, no, 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 no. My first experience doing drag ever, ever, ever was just at Gay Pride. I just oh, got was it? Oh, and I went to Pride. Um, I didn't perform. I didn't do anything. I was just, I was just out and about, like. So where was dress. the where was the where was the experience where where you were, were arrested? This was, I was doing a, uh, I, so me and my friends joined, started a group called Drag Queen Weddings for Equality. Um, and this is like me and some drag queen friends who were like one day sitting around discussing injustices in the, in the um, queer community and getting pretty upset about it. And then we ended up um, joining a group called Queer Rising, which was a radical um, queer rights group. And and that was how we, I ended up getting arrested. Did you have to spend the night in a cell? No, I didn't even, wasn't even in jail for an hour. Oh, okay. Phew. Okay. That's yeah, a relief. That is a relief. So, so you've talked about that. I mean, Pride is a great platform to, to kind of bring people together and stuff. But for some British listeners, um, I, I, what is the experience and, and journey to get into drag in the States? Because you, you're, you're, you probably were influenced slightly by your, your mum's drag bar and then your surroundings, people that you were spending time with. But what is a, if there is such a thing, a traditional route into drag? Or is every route well, pretty... Uh, I think the most traditional... Well, it depends on the time. Because I think back in the day, the most traditional route into drag in the United States was through the nightlife scene. So if you went to the gay bar and you saw a drag queen and you thought it was lovely, then you'd go up to her. You know, I always say drag is the last underground art form. You go up to the queen and then you'd say, I like drag, and then she'd teach you drag. And then you'd learn it through, through that process. Um, however... Nowadays, a lot of kids learn it through, or people, not just kids, but people, human adults as well, learn it through YouTube. They'll see it on Instagram, through YouTube, and learn it that way. So there's lots I mean, of that brings me on drag and never set foot in the club ever. Yeah, totally. I mean, that brings me on neatly onto my, onto my next bit, because... I mean, in, in, the, in the world that we live in today, I mean, social media and, and internet platforms are a great way to give people freedom of speech, particularly minority communities, notoriously minority communities. And it gives places like streaming services to show, show shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and, and Queer Eye and putting that into the forefront of popular culture. How important is it for you to use your own platform um, because you know that you must have a lot of young fans. Um, so what you post is quite influential. Do you, do you, are you kind of conscious of what you post, knowing that you might influence the next massive, massive star in, in drag? Um, and yeah, I was looking at my, my, my demographics on, what do you call it, Instagram. And I think mm-hmm. most of my fans are between 18 and 35. So they're not like that young, although that is young. That is young enough. Um but I am more conscious of what I post online, mainly because I realize that the bigger your voice gets, the, the larger your impact is. And I know how important it was for me to see people like myself online or to see people who are like me celebrating the things that I thought were my de- were my um, detriment, but um, seeing that they could actually be attributes. 
So I do think about making sure I post a lot about my blackness or my queerness or my being from the South, um, being non-binary, um, being pansexual, so that people who can like develop this language um, and discover themselves before it's too late. Yeah, totally. You're kind of you're you. you I, I'm you. I mean, having spoken to you for even just twenty minutes, I feel like you don't ever want to forget where you've come from. You definitely yeah. use that as kind of your core. Well, that's interesting. When people say, I've always been intrigued by the um, the idiom "Don't forget where you came from," because I always wonder, like, what is that in a <laughs> what is that in reference to? Is it one of those like "Stay humble" or like a Mm-hmm. don't forget us kind of thing i don't i mean most people don't actually forget where they come from um <laughs> i mean i i lived in georgia until i was 22 years old uh with a few breaks to live in alabama and mississippi of course um but i lived there for about 17 16 years um but also i've never really been a hundred percent sure what that means i'm I'm actually gonna i don't want to take up all your time delving into i mean i'm here for you came from like what does that saying even mean really is it like staying humble well i suppose what i what i take for for that saying is well don't forget where you came from i suppose it's everything from your family you're growing up literally from um the friends that built you uh, and and shaped you but also i suppose it comes down to the culture that you live in and grow up in uh grow up with the religion that you grow up in uh, and whether you still believe it or not I, I think it's just where you come from is it's a what has shaped to who you are today i suppose because yeah. everyone has their own journey and that's what i think is it's it's not one thing i would say it's you draw it from every every different avenue i suggest well there's a lots of uh where i came from that i certainly don't cling to at all because i, I also don't necessarily believe in the idea that like everything that shaped you you need to honor like i'm not no, a, not I, i'm not a christian um i devoutly uh speak against religion as often as possible oh, yeah. and that's one of those moments in life where i'm like i am gonna not not forget where i came from but i don't honor um this aspect of myself that really brought a lot of pain to my life. And if people come from negative backgrounds or things that aren't contributing to their life in a positive way, I don't think people should feel bad about for like not honoring those things. I can I completely agree. I think it's it's always important to to reflect on on the the negative things that have happened in your life. Acknowledge them, but by all means if you know if they're the things that are causing pain, choose to choose to, you know, Put, put that away yeah um, absolutely and learn from it and, and become a better person yourself by acknowledging the positives of where you've come from definitely i agree, agree. And, I, and i feel like it's one of those things where people can like kind of pull you down by being like don't forget that i made you and i'm like i don't yeah. know that that's how that works i don't know <laughs> that like my existence is centered around certain people making me you know what i mean it's like it's like they try to retain some sort of ownership about who you are Exactly. And I just think that that's completely incorrect because at the end of the day, everyone has their own exclusive abilities and, 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 you know, who they are today. And just because you are categorized into being, you know, for example, uh, X, Y, Z, where you've come from, doesn't mean that that you live by those attributes. And it's like when, whenever someone from a high school or from college says like, you've really changed. And I'm like, I should hope so. When you met me, I was 17 years old. I am now 34. I am now twice as old as I was then. And I should hope that I don't act the same way I did when I was 17. 
but yeah, Absolutely. you're right. I have changed. I am <laughs> twice as old as I was. Yeah, I was you've also closeted. You want a I'm like, I was also closeted at the time. I was doing a lot of stuff I wasn't proud of. So yeah, I fully. You're right. I changed. You got me. You know. I just want to move on to the day that you were accepted onto the show that has made made you who you are uh, mm-hmm. in terms of. Um, the fame RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I do believe it was on the same day you were accepted that the same-sex marriage in, in was legalized. Is that correct? Yes, it was. It was literally the same day. We were we were down in um, in the West. I was at the West Village celebrating over near. Um, it was June twenty sixth. It was a few days after my birthday. Um, I was down at at this bar because I was trying to go to the Stonewall, but it was just so crowded. That we couldn't fit in. So I went to a nearby bar that I worked at. And then I got a phone call while sitting at the bar talking to my friends. That's amazing. It's seriously, seriously cool. Um, so we, were you mentally prepared for what the show was going to bring you? Uh, and because of being a, an incredibly confident person and comedian as you are and an incredibly confident drag queen, having been accepted onto a show like that, was there any apprehension or fear going on? And, you know, once you were on, was there ever anything hidden from the camera in terms of your inner inner kind of self? Or were you just, you already by then, I feel like were a very confident person and always have been. Well, I think that um, I was mostly excited. Like I wasn't, I was, I, I was not, I was ignorant to the, uh, not ignorant to it completely, but like to, I was ignorant to the notion for me that it would turn out negatively for me, for, for me somehow, because I was always, I was like, people are going to love me. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they like me? I'm so nice. Um, and I know that some people have gone on TV and had a much different experience than that. And I would like to acknowledge that. Um, but I was like, why wouldn't they love me? And luckily it worked out well for me. Most people do like me. There are some people who don't like me, but there's for the most part, I was received pretty well. Um, and I don't know that I opened up every single aspect of myself or that that's even possible to show the world every aspect of yourself um, in the confines of one season of a TV show, especially when you are sharing the camera time with about 20 other people. Um, but I was, I was pretty open about a lot of things in my life. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree with, um, before you went on the show, was there much, um, chat with the producers or anything in terms of preparing you of what was going to come up and how long is a period of, um, how long is a series uh, filmed over? Well, I guess it, uh, we were there for about a month and a half filming, um, shooting six days a week. And um, yeah, so we were there. By, and we talked to the producers pretty much every day leading up to the day you leave. So, yeah, for like, I know. so from, from the very first phone call you ever get, and then you get a phone call like four days later, and then you get a phone call, a phone call four days later, be like, hey, we're we're still considering you. We would like to, for you to take your psychiatric evaluation. And then you get a phone call maybe four days later being like, all right, here's your psychiatric evaluation. And then you get a phone call maybe like two days later that are like, hey, you're now on repose. No, oh, let's talk a little bit about your story. And then like the next day you get a call being like, you're you're a contestant on repose drag race. And then it's every day until you leave. Did it, did it? experience go really really quick was it all a bit of a blur once it had finished or did you manage to cherish the moment when you were in it well i I mean i was able to cherish it i mean from from the first time you get the first phone call saying we're interested in you until the time you're leaving rupaul's drag race after filming that whole process is about 
three months. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's a chunk of your life, absolutely. Yeah, and remember, a month and a half of it is filming. Two weeks yeah. of it is um, preparing. About a week before that is getting the call. So it's a little bit, a little less than three months. Sure, sure. I mean, everyone knows you as to be an incredibly funny person. And of course, you do a lot of comedy. But this comes from, I think, your ability to do impressions. Are you going to ask me to do an impersonation? Impersonation? I well, I don't know if you've got anything in the locker, if you or if you feel comfortable doing it. Well, I'm not okay. Here's the thing: I'm not, I'm actually not great at impersonations. I can do Carol Channing um, because she has a really unique and interesting voice. Um, yeah, but I would sure. not say I built my career. On, <laughs> I haven't done. I did Carol Channing once since um, I, I've done it with my friends. Where I'd be like, I am just having the best day I've ever had uh, my entire life. Um, but I mean, I hadn't actually done like an act. I did one show as Carol Channing during quarantine, um, but I, I would not say that I do impersonations regularly. Do you enjoy the playing the, the other characters like 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 that in um, Snatch Game? You know, you get you get that opportunity to take on, I suppose, almost. I know it's a, an exaggerated version of the individual, but um, kind of an, an acting role almost. How much do you enjoy that that part of it? Well, I did a play. So I went to school for theater and I kind of just stepped away from the theater world for like a decade um, because I was pursuing uh, cabaret and acting. I mean, cabaret, comedy and drag. um, And I just found it more fruitful and rewarding than theater at the time. And then I ended up uh, doing um, a play, a stage play in San Francisco for about six months, which involved some pretty intense character acting and I was like, oh my God, I'm like back in the business. Like I'm back in the business. I'm like acting, acting. Um, and I really do enjoy it actually. I mean, I, I do yeah. think I enjoy stand up maybe a little bit more, but acting was always my first love. Absolutely. I mean, well, I will come on to carry on, carry on talking about that. But um, just looking back at that, that success of the Netflix show and then just that that whirlwind that came when when the show was released you went on to do uh, videos release music sell out comedy tours starring in films wait what Netflix show RuPaul's Drag Race oh that's so funny because in America we wouldn't call it a Netflix show because oh what what would you call it in the States it's just it was on Logo it was Viacom like a Viacom show now it's oh. VH1 and you you can't like you can see it on on um Netflix but each season comes on Netflix about like two or three years after they're actually released. So I was I like, know, Wait, what are you talking about? So it would <laughs> it just be a TV show. When I was on, it was a logo show. And now it's a VHS. Just a logo show. Um, looking back on literally everything that you've done in your career, though, looking back to that time growing up, uh, you know, back in when you're in fourth and fifth grade and training to be, you know, a, a theater performer. Could you imagine the success that you had now? What would you say to yourself looking back? Well, I just want to clarify that I was not training at, 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 in fourth and fifth grade. I didn't start. No, no, no. I didn't start doing theater class until I was in high school, 10th grade, which is about 15 years old. And then I went to college for it, but I did not finish school. I was a dropout. Um, shout out to college dropouts. Um, <laughs> not that we condone it. Yeah. But well, if it works, it honestly, works. I'm not saying I don't condone it. Like college isn't for everyone. I feel, I also feel like the, uh, the institution of uh, higher education is probably the second biggest scam in the history mm-hmm. of the world. And this this idea where we tell everyone that you have to spend, especially in America, you have to spend absurd amounts of money to get this degree that may not pay itself off for about anywhere between 15 and 
30 years. Um, so I'm not here to tell. I, 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 I decided a long time ago to jump off the bandwagon telling kids they have to stay in school because I actually don't believe that you don't have to stay in school, um, which isn't a popular uh no, like notion, but it, it, it's my truth. Um, <laughs> but when I when I first started theater, if if I told myself that I was going to be doing drag, I'd have been like, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> it's it's amazing what you can do on reflection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I always thought that I was going to make it big. To be honest, yeah. Do you, yeah. So you always had fame in your fame in your sights. I don't know if it was always fame, but I always saw myself Success. being, I always saw myself being successful. Yes. Because my mom sure. I always mean, told me that I would be. So I believe. I know. That. I was going to say that. I mean, your mom is one of your biggest supporters, right? If not the biggest supporter. Yeah. My mom was my biggest fan. And, and I, my mom always, from a childhood, I always told me that I was really great and that I was going to do big things. And I, I was like, well, why would my mom lie to me? Obviously I'm going to do big <laughs> things. My mom said so. And no matter what it was, it was, it was coming your way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, at the end of that show, once 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 you won season eight, was there something that kind of sticks to you that Rue said to you as any advice at the end, saying it's coming your way, or was it just off you go? You've won the show. Well, yeah, RuPaul and I didn't have like a lot of conversations off camera. I mean, we RuPaul and I have probably spoken off camera maybe four or five times maybe. And a lot of those were just randomly running into each other, like at a play at the airport. I was like, oh my God, RuPaul's here. <laughs> what are you doing here? Um, or like seeing each other at DragCon in passing. So I did, but I did get a lot of advice from the producers of the show. You know, one of the biggest people giving me advice was Jacqueline Wilson, rest in peace. She passed away this past year, but she was, um, probably one of my biggest mentors in navigating life as a celebrity. Sure. Is there anything that's, that sticks to mind? And of course we, we rest in peace to, to Jacqueline. Well, she would just talk to me about um, like my work ethic. She would talk to me about my, like my connections to people, how I treat the people that I'm around, um, the people that I surround myself with, the projects that I spend my time on. Uh, she really cared a lot about the the contestants from Cross Drag Race. She really, truly loved us. If you watch this past season, they did a, a tribute to her um, mm, yeah. on the reunion. Um, and no, not on the reunion, on the finale. And uh, she was just a really beautiful, beautiful person. Well, it's it's, great. it's amazing what, what a mentor can do and keep you grounded and really, really help you focus and, tr- and navigate, as you say, through through whatever you're going through. But let's um, let's just look at perhaps the, the the latest experiences that have happened in 2020, regardless of COVID nineteen and whatnot. You we talked about your platform there and using it just to raise awareness about so many things. But you use it as a creative, but importantly as an activist, and and, and c- always continue to strive for equality and raise awareness about as many things as possible. I mean, we could have a conversation about your life, drag, and everything else. But I mean, it would be a wasted opportunity for me to not talk to you about. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement and what's going on following the death of, of George Floyd. Um, well, how has this impacted you? I mean, I know that that's a massive question to ask you, but how, how, have, you, how have you taken it at, at, in the States and what have your experiences been? Well, I, mean, I don't know that I can give you a short answer, but I mean, I, I, considering that the Black Lives Matter resurgence has been going on for about 
two and a half, three months now, I've had so many experiences and so many feelings. It started off, I was really deeply um, sad and um, like nonstop crying every day to feeling really um, down and then, then feeling really motivated and then feeling um, bouts of joy in order to compensate for um, the sadness that I was having. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of different things going on. It also sparked for me and my friend Peppermint to start Black Queer Town Hall, um, which is a celebration of like Black queer excellence and joy. And it's also inspired me to try to make sure I can get as many people as I can to say out loud, Black trans lives matter. And I am going to ask you if you're willing to say it as well, um, because that has been like a major focus shift for me. I think, I mean, that's not something that you need to ask me to say, and I wouldn't say it just because you've asked me. I truly believe that as well. So Black Trans Lives Matter. And I'm also asking that people really um, consider what that means. If you haven't seen the film Disclosure, I'd really recommend everyone go on Netflix. But of course, who knows? It might not be on Netflix for you all. We just talked about <laughs> I know. We don't have the same Netflix queue. Um, but I would recommend everyone go watch the film Disclosure. It talks about um, what it means to be a trans person in the entertainment world. And that's just a microcosm of uh, transness because, you know, the entertainment world is a microcosm of the real world. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. And I've been reflecting on that a lot lately. I mean, you're a ser seriously intelligent individual. I mean... But just stripping it back to one word, one word that um, I stick with um, when it when you know an enormous movement comes around, and particularly one that has so much relevance and power today is community. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the word community meant to you, and especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, if it if it kind of was really important and significant. Well, for you. it's it's so the word community is is significant to me. Um, I, I think of my life as like a Venn diagram. You know what I mean? There's like, I'm, I'm part of lots of communities and I'm where they overlap. This is what intersectionality truly is. There's mm -hmm. the queer community. There's the non-binary community. There's the black community. There's the drag community and other things that I'm, I'm not even thinking of right now. And I am in the middle. And a lot of us have intersectionality in our lives. Uh, all of us do actually, whether we acknowledge it or not. Um, so it, I, I have at times felt a strain between communities and trying to represent them all very well. But then I also have to realize if I just represent myself to the best of my abilities, then I'll just I will constantly be proud of my actions. And that's all for part one with me, Louis Strong and Bob the Drag Queen on Headstrong Season 3, Creatives in Conversation. If you're enjoying our chat, be sure to tune in to part two on the streaming service that you're on right now. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe and tell everyone about it. See you on part two. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.